<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> Oh man, it, it 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 can't be worse than the last episode we did. Why? Oh, that was just a mess. The one we're re-recording? Yeah, the one we're re-recording. I thought that was a mess. I forgot my notes. Oh, I, had I thought to hold you were saying my like the whole time. did you did you listen to the recording? No, no, no. Oh, I'm you never saying, got like, to. I'm just we, we I couldn't because it disappeared. Right, right. Uh, we got this. We got this. All right. Are you ready to get started? Yeah. Do you want uh, Malibu Mike? <laughs> no, we should save Malibu Mike for a radio episode. Okay. All right. Well, I I need <laughs> I need a old timey uh, name. Yeah. Um. I don't know because I have a voice. Yeah, for like that. like we were, like we were talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, I wish I had an old time radio DJ nickname like Wolfman Jack or right. Howling Mad. Somebody or other. Right. right. I just have that every time we um, watch an old movie, mm-hmm. it's specifically if the opening credits are in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I will go down the entire list <laughs> in my old time voice. Yeah. And I'll be like, welcome to the Invisible Man. Oh, so not not like an old time radio DJ voice, but like an old time uh, radio announcer or like newsreel announcer. Yeah. 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 Today on the Crip Keeper. Spooky Bruce and Horaya. Look at one of the greatest stories ever told. Whoa! Hitler's men march across Europe. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, are you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm Spooky Bruce. And I'm Horror Ryan. This is the podcast where we examine the HBO horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the comics that inspired it. This week, we're taking a look at Season 2, Episode 9, Four-Sided Triangle, based on the story in Shock Suspense Stories, number 17. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? I feel like I've been here. Yeah, this is our third attempt at recording this episode. Uh Uh-huh. We got through an entire recording of it. Well, we we started one, then I noticed it wasn't recording, Mm -hmm. and then we recorded it again, and something happened to the file. It just disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. I have theories. I have theories that it was my fault, but we won't go into that. No. I'm not trying to place blame here. It was the universe's way of saying it was not ready. It no. was not good enough for no. the ears of oh, our shoot. distinguished listeners who yeah. are national treasures. Yes. Yeah, I, I forgot my notes. I had to hold my microphone the whole time because a piece was missing that connected to the arm. So it we were a mess that episode. We will endure. I felt we were kind of low energy, too. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's been <laughs> it like three weeks. Long time ago. Yeah. yeah, it's been like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but what's going on with you, man? Nothing much. I'm on spring break. Yeah. From school, which is awesome. Like the first time to relax in weeks and weeks and weeks. Right. So it's beginning to be spring here, actually, in the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yeah. We've had really warm weather and nice sunny days, and here we are in the basement. <laughs> right. <laughs> For a podcast. Right. I'm down. I'm down with it. <laughs> what about you? 
it's good. Yeah. Everything's good. We're just um, we're finally getting the basement fixed. Oh yeah, there's a couple yeah. of cracks that need to get fixed, and it, I think next week is when they're going to come and patch them up. But it took twelve weeks. Yeah, for between my deposit and them coming mm-hmm. uh, over it was like twelve weeks, and I That's guess they true. were just backed up. I don't know COVID or whatever. yeah, it was probably just busy because we had that really hard rain come in that when you found out your basement was leaking. Right. So I'm sure they've just been playing catch up from that. Yeah. So hopefully uh, this time next week, everything will be done. It'll be good. Well, I have written here the movies that we discussed the last time that we recorded. Yeah. What do we, we, I don't even remember. Well, get ready. Okay. Me and Bruce hung out one evening. Oh, (laughs) oh, it's been that. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a while. It's, It's almost a month ago. Yeah. We both picked, a hor a horribly great movie yeah, for each of us yeah. to show one we another. Pick, we we picked what like bad party movies, right? Yeah, because I think not, not movies about parties, but movies that you would show at a party. Yeah, we determine what a party movie is is a movie that is so bad that it's good and it's yeah. fun to watch with a group. Right. It's not necessarily a movie that you would watch with yourself. Right. That's so. I showed Bruce Exterminator City. <laughs> uh, that was a movie that was made. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. It is the number one movie titled Exterminator City. <laughs> that I mean, technically, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Uh, Bruce showed me the epic family Red- drama, <laughs> Redneck Zombies. Oh, yes. With our boy, Andy. <sighs> it's it's rough, but it's fun <laughs> rough, especially intoxicated, I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also watched Texas Chainsaw, uh, the new Texas Chainsaw. Oh, yeah. Massacre. How'd you like that? Eh, I can't do it. It's okay. I mean, eh. one of my friends likes to um, like live message me while she's watching movies Mm -hmm. and she got 20 minutes into it and she's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I can't do it. Man, the second act is not good. Yeah. Well, the first act isn't that good either, but um, the the kill at the end is great. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard the ending is superb. It's just the slog getting there. Yeah, it is something else. Um, but I, one thing that I just recently started to watch is a TV show from the nineties called the state. Oh yes. And I've never heard of it before. And Natalie loves it. And yeah. she showed me a few episodes. Uh-huh. It's fucking hilarious. It is awesome. It's called the state. And from my understanding, most of the cast of the state went on to do Reno 911. Yeah, a lot of them did, yeah. Right. And so this is basically what they did when they were a comedy troupe in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like Mad TV, just yeah, sketch yeah, comedy. Yeah, just a sketch comedy show, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And my favorite character is Barry, who <laughs> likes to rub his butt on pudding. It sounds yeah. stupid in my, when I say it, but it's hilarious. Uh, is that, uh, what about, is that Doug? Because it's been a while since I've watched, but Doug, who's going to dip his balls in it? Uh. I think Doug is the one who says I'm no, out of Doug here. Doug is I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but my my movie pick mm-hmm. is The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The um uh shoot hammer movie, right? Yeah, it's 70s. a hammer movie from the early seventies. Was it the last vampire movie they did? It is, but okay. it does not have Christopher Lee. Yeah. Basically, a replacement for Christopher Lee that looks like the Joker <laughs> because he has bright red lipstick on. Oh, and, that's weird. And like a greenish white makeup face. Um, it plays Dracula, and mm-hmm. it's basically if you like horror yeah. vampires, 
and Kung Fu together in a marriage that is glorious. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. I haven't been able to watch a lot of horror movies this year, uh, except for when we watched Exterminator City uh-huh. and when we watched Redneck Zombies. Classic. Uh, that was, oh no, I watched two movies from like Joe Bob, right? Yeah. But other than yeah. that, I have not watched any horror movies this year, um, except last week. Mm. I watched Werewolves Within. Ooh. It was good. Yeah. I don't never seen it. Um, it has Sam Richardson. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what he's been in. But it has Sam Richardson and uh, Milana Vantrub, the AT&T girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. So is that your pick? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's Imagine Clue with Werewolves. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's pretty that much what fun. It is, yeah. What's it? What's the streaming on? Uh, geez. I saw it on Showtime. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so are we ready to get this in? Take yeah, three? Uh, we're going to try to do this because we talked about it the first time, the first two times right. we tried doing this, um, that these are a bit gross. Content warning. Content warning, yes, because there is uh, a few attempted sexual assaults. Yes. One violent and one through deception. And but the it, comic gets worse. The comic gets worse because, you know, I was, I told you the first time it skirted the line between like uh, a moral story and being morally objectionable. Mm-hmm. And I read it again and I, I changed my opinion that it is just a morality tale because the person who is the villain does get their comeuppance. Right. Yeah, but it's still gross getting there. I, I can't remember what episode from the first season where we were like, this was the worst episode of the season. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was. That was the worst episode of the season. God, what was that? It was the one with the girl with the axe. Oh, oh love her come hacks to me. Yes, love her come yeah. hack to me. That episode was bad because there was no chemistry. Mm-hmm. This is bad because it's just gross. And so, just spoiler alert. Yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> it's gross. It's yeah. unsettling. Definitely, if anyone has any triggers, you know, want to respect that. Just yeah. content warning. If you want to bypass this episode, we understand. We completely understand. But just want to put that out there. And I mean, it's it's sort of redeeming, but also it's like after this, I don't know if I'll watch it ever I, I, again. There isn't redemption, but there is, like I said, punishment. Are we ready to get into yeah, it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. Directed by Tom Holland, written by Tom Holland with James Tugend. I think it's, I think that's how you say his name. Tugend. 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 Starring Patricia Arquette. Is it? Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. yeah. Okay. Chelsea Ross and Susan Blomart. Mary Jo is being held hostage on the Yates farm, blackmailed into performing free labor for them. She often faces beatings for the slightest mistake from the farmer's wife, Louisa. And when they're out of sight of Louisa... Mary Jo must fend off the sexual advances from the farmer, George. After suffering a blow to the head during one of George's attempts to molest her, Mary Jo becomes convinced the Scarecrow is her new boyfriend. During one of Mary Jo's nightly visits to her new man, George disguises himself as the Scarecrow, hoping to trick Mary Jo into having sex with him. Following Mary Jo into the cornfield, Louisa is horrified to find Mary Jo's new man is the Scarecrow. Attempting to prove to Mary Jo that it's nothing but an inanimate object, I got through it there. <laughs> Louisa runs it through with a pitchfork, killing George. As Louisa kneels over her husband's fallen body, horrified over what she has done, Mary Jo kills her and escapes the farm. Dun dun dun. 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 So you can see why we put that warning right. before we got into this. Yeah, we're definitely going to deep dive into it. Yeah. So. Things. So this was directed by Tom Holland before he began his career as Spider-Man. Like, yes. I have made that joke four times now. 
<laughs> Keep it rolling. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Uh, uh, we've talked about him before in one of the very first episodes we did. Uh, he directed Fright Night. Yeah. And maybe Fright Night too. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, this was written by Tom Holland and James Tugend. I don't know anything about James Tugend. And there are... I, I found a website for him that has him like... He's teaching writing and acting classes, whatever. Right, but it also has him directing Bob Hope specials and the or producing Bob Hope specials in the fifties. What? Yeah, so that's that weird. it doesn't feel right. So I don't, I don't know anything about this guy that I can trust. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's a mystery man. He's a mystery man. Patricia Arquette as Mary Jo. Come mm-hmm. on, we know her. Everybody knows her. And we know her. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Ed Wood, uh, Lost Highway, Stigmata, True Romance, Bringing Out the Dead, the TV show Medium, Boardwalk uh, Empire. And, uh, oh, she was in that show, The Act. Do you know about this? Is uh, Dee Dee Blanchard? No. That's her name, Dee Dee Blanchard. It, it, it's a true story about this woman named Dee Dee Blanchard who had uh, Munchausen by proxy. What's that? It's a mental condition where you uh, make people think your kid is sick for attention. And as it progresses, you do abusive things to your kid to make people think that they're getting sicker and sicker, like poisoning them. Um, If you've seen the movie The Sixth Sense. Yes. A child dies in that from their parent having Munchausen by proxy. Oh, wow. Um, Like I said, this is a, a true story where this mother was doing this to her child. And to the point she had doctors convinced that this child was dying of some ailment. To the point... They put a feeding tube in the child. Oh. Yeah. That's how far it got. But the child, I say child, she was like an older teenager, mm-hmm. right? She had a secret life online and she wanted to escape her mother. So she met a boyfriend online and together they killed her mother. Oh. And at first, if I remember correctly, authorities thought that someone had killed the mother and kidnapped the daughter. And it wasn't until they found them days later that they've, they they unraveled this huge plot. Plot, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a wild story. Damn. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, 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 Chelsea Chelsea Ross mm-hmm. as George Yates. This uh, again, one of these dudes that I know I always bring this up that like you know their face, sort of, right? But you don't like you're like okay, it's this guy. However, with this guy, like I recognize his face, but then went through all of his credits on IMDb, and he's been in big stuff. And I'm like, I don't remember a damn one of these. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, like he was in Major League. Huh. He was in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He Dang. did a voice on King of the Hill, which, of course, yeah, you wouldn't recognize his face from that. Um, he did six episodes of Mad Men. I've seen Mad Men all the way through. I don't remember this dude. Oh wow. He was Justin Long's father and dragged me to hell. You love Justin Long. Oh, yeah. I love him so much. But here's the thing. I don't remember that character having a father in that movie, and I've seen it multiple times. I uh, don't really yeah. either. Yeah. Wow. So this dude is just... Uh, He's uh, made a life out of... A being life forgettable. Being forgettable. Right. Yeah, um, good for him. Yeah. He can go to the grocery store and not get mobbed. I guess. He yeah. still gets paid. I think... Most of the people, well, there's not most of the people because there's only three people in this episode. I think two of them can go to the grocery store without ever being mobbed. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Susan Blomart uh, as uh, Louisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was uh, Missy Dandridge in Pet Cemetery. Oh, cool. Uh, she was another L.A. law alum, 
They usually are. Yeah. Uh, she was in The Sopranos. She was the uh, librarian in John Wick 3 when he kills the dude with the book by showing him, like in the dude's mouth yes. and breaking his jaw. So sick. Uh, and she was in an, ep- an excellent episode of The X-Files as a demon come to Earth in the guise of a teacher to punish a satanic cult that wasn't faithful anymore. De- Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's a, it is... It's when they were um, kind of t- uh, testing the waters to do more graphic episodes. Right. This is kind of the first along that line, right before they got to home. Remember mm-hmm. that you know, the, the episode with the inbred family? Yeah. Yeah. So I think at one part she turns into a giant snake and eats somebody and they find the dude's skin. Yes. Or what? They, what's left of him that the Ooh. snake vomited up. Right. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, that's that, there's only three people in this episode. It's a very tight, yeah. tight cast and tight setting, too, because I think there's only like three or four settings yeah yeah the, three or four sets in this there's the, the kitchen house, of the, the kitchen house. the cornfield and the barn yeah that's it it's really yeah it. yeah oh there's two bedrooms but you barely see those. Yeah. yeah 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 so anyway let's get into the breakdown the episode starts with the redneck crypt keeper plucking a flower <laughs> to the words of she loves me she loves me not and he looks at the camera and said that this is a story of love and lust in the dust yeah at the Yates farm, Louisa has a is walking down the stairs with a cane, and she has a leg brace on, and she hobbles downstairs looking for Mary Jo. I think they're kind of implying that she may have had polio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. With the brace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's looking for, yelling for Mary Jo. She touches the coffee to see if it's hot. It's not, and she immediately smacks it to the ground, and she starts yelling for Mary Jo again. She's pissed. Yeah. She, st- she yells, where's my coffee, as she breaks into Mary Jo's room, beating her with a cane. Mary Jo wakes up, immediately starts screaming, runs out of her bedroom. Louisa throws her an egg basket to go get the eggs at the barn. Yeah. She says, don't break any eggs or I'll break you. I think she just she just wants to torture this poor girl because she's mad about the coffee. Well, yeah, but she doesn't even tell her to yeah, make coffee. Exactly. She doesn't even tell her to get the coffee. She's just, okay, start doing your chores. She's I just miserable. You. Yeah. She's, she's miserable, just... and she's taking out her misery on other people. Right, right. Mary Jo puts on a jacket and a sweater to avoid George from peeping, because George is right outside of working on yeah. a truck. George, Luis's husband, like I said, is working on a truck, and he starts to stare at Mary Jo as she goes into... Uh, the world's coldest barn. <laughs> the filmmakers wanted to sexualize Patricia Arquette. Yeah. To the 10th degree. Yeah. They want to sexualize her before George tries to assault her. Right. Which is weird. It's gross. Yeah. So as she gathers the eggs from the chicken coop, she takes off her jacket and sweater, which tells me she only put that on for the short walk between the house and the barn to prevent George from peeping on. Yeah. Her, yeah. Which is sad. Uh, Mary Jo thinks that she hears George uh, in the corner because he's actually peeping, watching her through the wall of the barn. Mm-hmm. She immediately puts on her her jacket back on. She grabs the eggs and leaves. George is waiting for her and he uh, stops her from walking and tells her to milk the cow. She says Louisa wanted the eggs. Mary Jo's eyes go down to a key that is dangling from George's neck. And then her eyes follow that to the truck, mm-hmm. telling the viewer around George's neck is the keys to her freedom. Right. Essentially. And uh, he immediately grabs the key to block the view 
mm-hmm. and says, I told you to milk the cow. She goes in the barn and she starts milking the cow. George is behind her and startles her by knocking over a lantern. He says he just wants to talk. Anyone listening, if you're in this situation and someone says, I just want to talk, they don't want to talk. They never want to talk. Get out. Yeah. So he lunges at her, which by the way, he says, I want to talk to you. Yeah. And then he lunges. Yeah. He has a strange way of talking. Yeah. Uh, She throws milk at him and they start to struggle. He tries to kiss her as she's yelling and trying to escape. Louisa hears the commotion from the porch and starts to yell for Mary Jo. As she's trying to escape, George breaks a bottle over Mary Jo's head. Yeah, it's knocking like a her beer out. bottle or something. Yeah, right? knocking yeah. her out. He covers her body with hay and goes to meet Louisa. No, at first he tries to take off her clothes and then he realizes Louisa's coming, like is closer. Right. And so then he covers her with hay. Like he he looks out the window, starts taking trying to take off her clothes, right, and then looks out the window again. He realizes she's coming to the barn and covers her with the hay. Yeah. yeah. Louisa asks him about the milk that is spilled on his shirt, and he says, "I was just milking the cow." And she's sarcastic too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And she sarcastically says, "You don't milk the cows, Mary Jo does." So she knows something's up, right? Louisa wobbles her ass into the barn, <laughs> and George says, oh, I didn't mean to do it, and because he's immediately like, well, yeah. jigs up, Yeah, and she goes, what do you mean? Do what? They look down at the hay, and Mary Jo is gone. Mary Jo is clearly concussed as she's trying to run away into a cornfield, like she's stumbling, and yeah. uh, so she's got blood on her head. And it's it's filmed or shot with like an angled camera, yeah. right, to, make, yeah. to disorient the viewer. Yeah, it's showing us that she's disoriented. Yeah. Louisa and George spot a trail of blood going into the cornfield. Louisa says, I told you, you beat the help. You don't kill them. Ooh. Oh, God. And George says, but she spilled milk. And Louisa says, there's always more milk, not more help. Yeah. So because, th- this tells me that there it's a pattern. Right. And in, in earlier, uh, I think we forgot to mention it, but... Um, when Mary Jo is kind of trying to fend off George's advances, mm-hmm. George threatens her, saying that I can tell the law what I saw you do. Like she was robbing or shoplifting from a grocery store or something. He caught her and blackmailed her into working his farm. The servitude, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So basically she just lives on this farm. Mm-hmm. There's no one for miles. And yeah. She just tries to do her chores while simultaneously not get raped. Yeah. This is the best way yeah. to explain it. And be beaten. Uh, Mary Jo collapses at the foot of a scarecrow who has like um, a suit on and a clown mask. The clown like mask those for old, some reason. Yeah. yeah. One of those old 1960s clown masks. It looks like the clown mask from the movie Haunt. Yes. That's on the cover oh. of the, the DVD or the poster art. Right, right. Yeah. Louisa demands that George carry her piggyback style through the cornfield to find Mary Jo. Just before passing out, Mary Jo looks up and sees the clown-faced scarecrow come alive and reach out for her. Right after, George and Louisa find Mary Jo unconscious but alive. George says, don't listen to anything she says when she wakes because she took a blow to the head. Louisa confused as she obviously should be says what is she gonna say yeah and george says i don't know (sighs) this is actually something they used to use against uh like rape victims 
right? They would say, well, she's been traumatized. So they can't trust anything a traumatized person says. Right. But how were they traumatized? Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> as much as, and believe me, I have a love affair with old horror movies, yeah. specifically the 60s and early 70s. My number one pet peeve with those movies uh-huh. is they immediately disregard the opinions of the female characters. Oh, yeah. Because they're emotional. Right. Or they're scared or, we, oh, you're, you know, you need to calm down. There are so many horror movies, even to this day, that would not be horror movies if someone just listened to a woman. Probably, yeah. Right, like Alien. No, yeah. If they had just listened to Ripley in the beginning, yeah. no problem. Yeah. Right. I just don't understand <laughs> how that became a trope. Yeah, it's the irrational woman. You can't believe in the irrational woman. It's lazy. Yeah, it's very really lazy. It's lazy writing. Anyway. I need to get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, I got on plenty of them. You can have a few soapboxes too. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> Mary Jo wakes up and asking where her man went. Both George and Louisa look very puzzled, obviously. <laughs> Mary Jo says her man was right here and she wants to make love to him. George looks at Louisa and says, see what I mean? <laughs> so he's immediately like this crazy bitch. Yeah. You know, don't listen to what she says, which immediately discredits her. Yeah. So he's off free for being gross. The next scene, Mary Jo is making dinner as George comes into the kitchen. George is staring at her butt, which is sort of coming out of her jeans through a hole. Yeah. Like, you know, did they just like rip the jeans and they're like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. It's like uh, right at the base of where her leg meets her rear end. Right. Right. <laughs> they did their out. best to sexualize Patricia Arquette without nudity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But. And and we're not just seeing her sexualized. We're seeing it through his eyes, which is grosser. Because, I mean, Patricia Arquette's a beautiful woman. Yeah. But we're seeing this innocent woman being sexualized with this old, dirty man. Right. And it's just... Right. Right. Uh, He comes up from... Like I said, he comes up from behind her and smells the back of her head. Mary Jo says, oh, do you like that smell? It's honeysuckle. I put it all over my body for my man. Mm Mm-hmm. George starts to laugh, saying that she doesn't have a man. He gets a little more handsy as Louisa walks in, demanding to know what they're doing. George says, we're just talking. And Mary says, he was getting a little friendly with me. Louisa says, what do you mean friendly? And by the way, this is just me. It pisses me off. (laughs) This entire scene, George has a piece of biscuit on the side of his lip. Yeah, he's saving it for later. Annoying. <laughs> I don't know. Don't be negative, Nancy. But it's a it's a rough episode. Yeah. George says he was just. Uh, I'm sorry. George says she was claiming that she's got a man. Marriage said. Mary Joe says, I, but I do have a man. And she goes on to talk about how handsome and well dressed her man is, and she can't wait to make love to him. Louisa slams her cane down on the table, demanding demanding that Mary Joe stop this foolish talk and set the table. Mary Jo leaves. Louisa says, well, one good thing about this is that she's so crazy that no one will take her in. She can't run anywhere. She is free help for life. George replies, yeah, she'll be here forever and starts grinning. Louisa says, why is this news making you so happy? And George, still with the biscuit in his fucking lip, says (laughs) someone to work forever, just like you said. Louisa looks suspicious yeah that night george dreams of mary joe 
he, uh, which is, I mean, basically just um, a little 10 second dream that he has. And it shows us basically he's having sex with her. Right. He awakes in the middle of the night. But sees, again, this is one of those weird things where like it's filmed romantically. Right, right. Yeah. It's definitely like Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. Like with f- music and, and uh, filter over the lens. Yeah. It's what he sees. Uh-huh. Like this romantic, passionate affair that he has with this woman who clearly doesn't want him. Right. I don't know. And who acts very childlike yes. throughout the entire thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He doesn't have... Uh, he, he's got a couple of screws loose. <sighs> he wakes and sees that Mary Jo is running happily into the cornfield. He puts on his little coat and he follows her. She meets with a scarecrow who is just a scarecrow, mm-hmm. just there in the middle of the field. She starts talking to the scarecrow and flirting with it, rubbing its chest. George listens to her talk and comes up from behind her, runs his fingers through her hair. She screams and says, stop, this is my man. He tells her that this is just a scarecrow. And that it's not flesh and blood, but he is. Tries to kiss her again. Yeah. She flees. George goes back to bed, but Louisa is awake and asks him, where has he been? He says, I heard a critter bothering the chickens. <laughs> it's the most country <laughs> response. Louisa notices that Mary Jo is coming back from her date with the scarecrow. And she's singing and and she's like skipping. Through yeah, she's like super happy and... Yeah. and she tells, hey, George, this looks like she was on a date with her man. George looks out the window and reacts like he's never seen it before mm-hmm. and says, so that's what was keeping the uh, chickens up at night. Louisa says, you're an old fool. <laughs> I think she knows. She, she yes. knows he's lying. 100%. Yeah. George see The next day, George sees Mary Jo in a dress. He asks her why she addressed so fancy. She says, I got a date tonight at midnight. I hope my man likes it. George says, oh, he'll love it in the creepiest way possible. Yeah. Louisa is using a pitchfork to move some hay and notices that George is talking to Mary Jo. She angrily stabs the hay, which is foreshadowing. Yeah. For sure. That night, right before bed, Louisa says, you know what I'd do to you if I caught you cheating? The same thing they do to bulls to make them steers. (laughs) If you don't know, audience, they cut their balls off. Yeah, yeah, that's what she's saying. Yeah. George says, but I'm not cheating. And Louisa says, I know you're not for now. <laughs> if if you're just in bed falling asleep and your partner rolls over and says, if he ever cheat on me, you're in trouble. I'll cut your balls off. You're in trouble no matter what. Like whether you're really cheating or not, you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. I'm not falling asleep easily that night. Uh, which George isn't either because apparently right after she says that he lo- like the camera goes right to his face and he looks terrified. <laughs> but and what what I can only say yeah, you know, is sorry. Go ahead. No, go make your point. And I'll make mine. Oh, I was just going to the next part. No, um, he's terrified of her. Oh yeah. I don't think that she just beats Mary Jo. She's beaten him a lot. Think so? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, he is like, he cowers in front of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is weird because she's the least threatening physically. Well, she got that cane. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Later that night, George is having a dream of banging Mary Jo again. They're going at it ferociously. He goes in to kiss her, 
and it turns into Louisa in his dream. <laughs> he wakes up, and this is, it's got to be the funniest part of the episode because it's such a heavy episode. Yeah. Like, he has a dream he's having sex with Mary Jo. He goes in to kiss her. He mo- The camera is behind his head, and mm-hmm. as he moves his head, it, it's Louisa. Yeah. And he looks, ah, and he wakes up, and then he looks right over at the sleeping Louisa and goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Which you should never do to your significant other. No. Right? This is oh, just man. toxic the movie. This is not a happy marriage. It's not a happy anything. <laughs> I, just, I just think that it's pretty fucking funny. But uh, he looks at the clock, after he wakes up from the nightmare that yeah. he has, uh, he looks at the clock and it's 11.45, which, hey, it's 15 minutes until Mary Jo's date. Right. Uh, you know what? He uh, he gets dressed fast. And I'm not just talking about putting on his clothes to go outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Gets, he, he gets in the costume fast. You better believe it. Yeah. George looks out. George, sorry, I'm reading my note. It's funny. George uh, looks at the clock, and like we said, it's 11:45. Then he looks over at Louisa, and he has a very "fuck this" look on his face. Yeah. Like he's like it's one of those things where like they're they're telling you that like like yeah, he's been threatened to get castrated uh-huh. if he cheats on her, and he goes, right. Meh. he uh, he has weighed the pros and cons, yes, and has decided to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> George sneaks out of the bedroom. 15 minutes later, Mary Jo is in the gown and is running towards the field. She goes up to the scarecrow and starts kissing and touching the scarecrow's chest. As she's caressing its chest, the scarecrow's eyes open. Yeah. It looks like she's actually trying to arouse that scarecrow. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, he starts to move. Mary Jo says, you're alive, you're alive. In which part of me is like, I thought you, yeah, you thought he was alive. That is, that's one of the confusing things about this episode because they make you think that she's just crazy. Right. But then she's surpri- like, they make you think that she actually thinks this is her man after the, the, the blow to the head she gets. I, I think... But then she's surprised when he's alive. I think it's basically like she's trying to get him to come alive because she knows he can. Hmm. Or at least that's what they're trying to... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, at the same time, Louisa wakes and sees that George is not there. The Scarecrow and Mary Jo start kissing. Louisa grabs a pitchfork and rides a tractor <laughs> onto the cornfield. The scarecrow is just about to initiate aggressive contact yeah. when he hears a tractor motor and he jumps back onto the pole. Aggressive. Wait, I just caught that. Aggressive contact. Ooh, that's a way of putting it. Yeah, that's yeah. a euphemism. Right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, he jumps. After he hears the motor from the tractor, he jumps off of her, Mary Jo, and goes back onto the pole, remaining lifeless. And Mary Jo screaming, no, no, come yeah. back, come Yeah, she's back. like, don't go, don't go. Yeah. She's very upset. Louisa arrives looking for George. Mary Jo says, there's no one here but me and my man. Louisa, completely fed up with all this scarecrow shit, says, it's only straw. Look, and she stabs it repeatedly with a pitchfork. <laughs> the scarecrow starts to bleed and starts to move. And falls, and the mask falls down, revealing that it's George. Oh no! Ah! <laughs> Louisa looks upset and drops the pitchfork, and she says, "You stupid old fool!" Mary Jo grabs the 
pitchfork and behind Louisa stabs her right through the chest. Yes. Dead. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. She grabs the truck keys from George's necklace and she starts to walk away singing, finally free. Yeah. Which to me says this whole thing was an act. Yeah. She was yeah. manipulating it's, them. It's confusing because she she gets the, the blow to the head. And you, when she gets below the head, she looks at the scarecrow, and it looks like it's coming to life. So do you think... I mean, she legitimately does get injured. Yeah. So do you think that this was a plan all along to manipulate them to kill themselves? Or is she really cuckoo for Cocoa Poops? I don't think it works if you try to say it was her plan all along. I mm. think it's just she took uh, opportunity when she saw it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the next scene is the Crypt Keeper wearing that same clown mask, uh-huh. which is... Ugh, bleh. He says, this lady surely made her point. Poor George was about to have the reward of Mary Jo and give her a bonus. Uh, um, He's making a pun about a character who is trying to sexually assault someone. Yeah, I don't think... Crypt Keeper uh, understood the episode the same way we did. He did not. Well, he did not know the assignment. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Meh. Patricia Arquette's great. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I, I think no it's one's, one of, I don't think anyone's bad in this. It's just, it's not a great story. Well, it was, it, it's, it's gross in the implications and it's poorly written. Well, not that any of the actions of the characters are justified in any era, but this specific story does not age well now. No. And the comic definitely Mm -mm -mm. does not age well. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So, but even in 1955 or 1992, when this aired, it's still like, yeah, this is an area they're touching that, is not that great no. of content, but <laughs> I mean, it's always good. Patricia Arquette is a great actress, and yeah, she, you know, she got she got her freedom. Uh, so yeah, good for yeah. her. I mean, like we can talk about how gross it is and how gross the the principles were, but they do get their comeuppance. Right, they do get punished for their actions. Right, yeah, right. which which makes it uh, uh, redeemable. The story story wise, yeah, yeah. Ready to go in the comic. Yes, this was based on a story in Shock Suspense Stories number 17. Do you know when that was published? October 1954. Hey, there you go. Written by Carl Wessler, with art by Jack Kamen, and of course, coloring by Marie Severin. Queen. The Queen. Annie is a mentally deficient young woman that works on the Yates farm. The farmer, George, notices her developing body and tries to make advances on her. Annie rejects his advances, telling George and his wife, Hester, that she has a boyfriend that treats her right. George discovers this new man is the farm scarecrow. One night, George disguises himself as the scarecrow, hoping to trick Annie into having sex with him. Hester becomes suspicious that George and Annie are having an affair and goes into the cornfield to look for them, taking a pitchfork with her. She finds Annie with the scarecrow, taking pity on the girl. Hester tries to prove the scarecrow isn't real and runs the scarecrow through Killing George. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. I did want to say it isn't George. It's Abner. Oh, it's Abner. Uh, do you want me to go back? To, nah. It's up to it. you. I don't nah. No, it's Abner. So I'll, I'll you want me to do the character names different? Yeah. And then we can go on your end. Um, so 
George, the dirty old man. Yeah. Uh, in the comic, his name is Abner. You know what? I might do a read through that again real quick. Okay. Okay. Annie is a mentally deficient young woman that works on the Yates farm. The farmer, Abner, notices her developing body and tries to make advances on her. Annie rejects his advances, telling Abner and his wife, Hester, that she has a boyfriend that treats her right. Abner discovers this new man is the farm scarecrow. One night, Abner disguises himself as the scarecrow, hoping to trick Annie into having sex with him. Hester becomes suspicious that Abner and Annie are having an affair and goes into the cornfield to look for them, taking a pitchfork with her. She finds Annie with the scarecrow. Taking pity on the poor girl, Hester tries to prove the scarecrow isn't real and runs the scarecrow through, killing George. Abner. Dun, dun, dun. Damn it! Got <laughs> him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh well no that's good that's i'm not good. doing it again <laughs> oh. uh once again george is be is in the comic his name is abner yeah. louisa's name is hester and mary joe's name is annie once again changing names they don't need to change well abner and hester are definitely olden time names yeah for I, sure. I, I, I and you know i do so think... is louisa though what so is louisa yeah, so is louisa so is george Nah, that could be it. That's a timeless name. I guess. But I think they changed Annie's name because Mary Jo sounds more like a country name. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. So this was, I don't know if we've talked about Carl Wessler before. I don't think so. I swear we have on an earlier episode. And um, so, yeah, Carl Wessler, he was uh, one of the uh, editors uh, under Stan Lee in the the bullpen of what would become Marvel eventually. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was an animator. Uh, He worked for Fleischer Studios. uh, You've definitely seen Fleischer's work. They did the old Superman cartoons from the 40s. Oh, those are cool. Um, Those are really cool. The, the, The animation on those. Uh, was way ahead of its time. Uh, Like I said, he worked for uh, Atlas, which eventually became uh, Marvel. Uh, He worked for EC. Uh, He did a lot of um, their, a lot of their like science fiction comics. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And then he, uh, he like, of course he worked for Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. Um, I think his main output for EC may have been, their horror tales. He may have done a lot for Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up doing working at Harvey, working on uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, I think his last... Oh, yeah, he worked on um, the black and white horror comics like Creepy and Eerie and Vampirilla. Mm. And um, he passed away, I want to say, in the mid-80s. And his last work, I think, was doing uh, war comics for DC. Wow, yeah. he was very prolific. Very prolific. Um, I don't have anything on when he died, so we're just going to pretend that he had a happy ending. Nice. He had a great life. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> Jack Kamen, just beautiful artwork. Oh, yeah. Beautiful artwork. He's actually the star of an episode coming up. Oh, yeah, you yeah. told me that. Yeah. Yeah, there's an, there's an episode just about him. Yeah. But I think they changed his name to Corman. Mm. Yeah, it's basically a story where a comic artist, uh, his creatures come to life. And of course, Marie Severin, we know her. We've talked about her a lot. If you don't know anything about her, like what have you been doing? <laughs> You've definitely not been listening to this podcast. If there is anything I want you to take from this podcast at all, it's the legend of Marie Severin. Yes. And Bill Gaines. Yes. For sure. So you want to go into it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's go. All right. All right. The comic starts with Abner Yates noticing Annie as she's cooking dinner, who is mentally slow. He tries to kiss the back of her neck. She escapes his grasp and says, Miss Hester wouldn't like you doing that. Like it's very, like it's actually spelled that T H E T. Yeah. To show how slow she is. This the comic starts uh during the kitchen scene. In, in the from the show. In the, in the show, yeah. yeah. So they the show had a lot of padding on the story. Oh yeah. yeah. Because it's really I mean it's, it's a simple. Super I think it's only five story. pages. Yeah. Yeah. It's not long at all. But they make a point of telling you that Annie is a very young woman and she is just now developing. That's not what she looks like in the comic and the art. She looks like a full grown woman. Right. But they tell you in the narration that she is just now developing. And but mentally, she is not. Yeah. Mentally, they may also make it very clear that she is childlike mentally. Right. Which, in my opinion, makes the comic so much worse. Yeah. Abner says, don't tell Hester, I'm just trying to be friendly. And he says, I, I got a friend, and he don't do anything like that. He's my man. But I wish he would. Ugh. Yeah, that's yeah. what she says. Yeah, the narrator says that Yester hates, unable to understand or accommodate her husband's needs anymore, move t- moves towards the kitchen. Which, by the way, are they trying to justify I think- Abner's... Actions? I don't know. It's the narration like, is really weird. I, they're saying in a way like, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, Abner's doing this because he's not getting what he needs from his wife. Yeah, not an excuse. No. Anyway, uh, sh- uh, Hester walks in and asks why Abner is getting too friendly. Abner says that Annie has a feeble mind. She even thinks that she has a boyfriend. Hester says that she's glad that Annie has a boyfriend. Like she's playing along. Yeah. Like she's she's Hester is a lot more sympathetic than Louisa. Oh yeah. In this. For sure. More, like she has She's not abusive. She's not abusive. She has sympathy for the girl. Like, yeah, you're right. She's playing on. Like, yeah, we know, dear, you have a boyfriend. Yeah. Like yeah. she reacts very like, oh, that's wonderful, honey. Yeah. I'm so glad you have a boyfriend, even though she knows she that this young woman is not mentally Able to have a boyfriend. Well, Abner does not like how she reacts, and he just goes, hmm. Yeah. That night, Abner wakes up and sees Annie running towards the field to meet her boyfriend. The narrator says, Abner seethed with frustration and jealousy and grabbed his shotgun. Don't know why you're jealous. It's not your girl. Yeah, he was going to kill someone overseeing this girl that is not his. I mean, no one is anyone's property. Right. But... He thinks he has ownership of this young girl and is jealous that she would get another boyfriend. That's real. Right. Yeah. He sees Annie kissing on the scarecrow. Abner grabs Annie and tries to kiss her and she pulls away and she says, no, this is my man. Abner says, he's not real. I'm real. Let me help you. And she runs away. Abner goes back to bed and Hester awakes and Abner says that he heard a critter. That's where he was. Hester is making fun of how Annie is going to see her, quote, man. Mm-hmm. Abner thinks to himself, I have to have her. No, you don't. No. <laughs> you I know, know uh, I, I know your wife isn't, you know, fulfilling your quote unquote needs mm-hmm. now. Uh, but, uh, and I know that they did not have the inter- internet back then, but they still had hands. Yes. And the hand can be useful <laughs> when needs are not being met. Self-hive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another night, Annie is going to meet her man again, and Abner goes after her. 
Hester wakes up to an empty bed and thinks that Annie and Abner are running away together. She grabs a pitchfork. Annie is holding the scarecrow as Hester catches Annie. And Hester says, I told you he isn't real and starts stabbing the scarecrow with the pitchfork. The scarecrow starts to bleed and the mask falls to reveal that it's Abner. Both Annie and Hester look shocked. And that's it. That's it, yeah. The weird thing is, is you can make a, uh, a claim that in the TV episode, Mary Jo's character is playing them, manipulating yeah. them. You could, yeah. you could view it that way. Yeah. In the comic, Annie is just slow. Yeah. So she's legitimately slow because there's no injury. Mm-hmm. There's no assault. There's no, there's no violence other yeah. than the pitchfork. Yeah. And so... I just closed the comic when I got done reading it, just being like, wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I mean, like I said, at times it feels like it's it's almost skirting a line there. Right. But the fact that Ju- uh, not George, damn it, Abner gets his comeuppance and is punished for what he tries to do to, do to this poor girl. I want to get bonus points because yeah. the art that they show him bleeding. Uh-huh. The, the panel that reveals that it's Abner yeah. is terrifying. Yes. It's really creepy because his it neck like is bent and shit. his face too. And hung yeah. Him. Yeah. It's really terrifying. I'll have to put that on social media because yeah. it's really, ugh. Yeah. But I mean, hands up. The best thing about this is the art. Mm-hmm. I mean, once again, all the artists during this era in between 1950 and 1955. Yeah. Just for four EC, years. Bangers. Yeah. Like they're all stars. Yeah. So that, that's really the winner. Think, I don't think we have reviewed a comic yet that had even mediocre art. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so weird that I think that there's an era like in the late eighties, early nineties, it just, that comic art doesn't age well. no, because, you know, too many muscles, too many pockets, too many Tiny guns. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> but I, honestly, describing one artist. <laughs> you figure it out, listener. Um, but I, I, I really mean this. I think that the art from the 50s, specifically EC, is timeless. Yeah, you know, I think when you say specifically EC, it was EC because I've read a lot of comics from the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. And read a lot of comics that came just after this. Mm-hmm. And the art is nowhere near as good. Do you think that because horror comics at the time were vilified, that the artist didn't get the recognition that they deserved? Oh, 100%. Because just yeah. the skill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, is leaps and bounds above their contemporaries. Yeah. For sure, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, yeah. But, but I think that their names should be up there with Jack Kirby and, mm-hmm. and even modern artists like George Perez. I know we harp on her a lot, but Marie Severin should be up there with Jack Kirby and Stan. That's a weird way of pronouncing yeah. Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we need a Marie Severin poster. We do. Can we, please? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If 100%. there's any anybody, family members of Marie Severin, like children, <laughs> grandchildren and stuff, like... We love her. Yeah, we so, absolutely love her. For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the comic. I mean, all in all, it's pr- it's not as sleazy as the TV episode. Yeah, because... They try to stretch it out. The The comic does not focus on her body like the show does. The show does right. not... The comic does not put you in the feet of Abner, 
(laughs) and make you a participant in his leering. Right. Right. But I think that extra step of her being legitimately mentally challenged Mm -hmm. is an extra just like, ugh, Abner, you're gross, dude. Yeah. But, Uh, but hey, the bad guy dies. Yeah. And the weird thing is, in the in the episode, the woman dies, mm-hmm. but in the comic, the the wife doesn't. Yeah, she has. So what happened? Did they just went about their business? Like she kept on being a field hand. I, I don't. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, uh, we need a sequel. I mean, in a way, it's it, the wife's fate in the comic is worse than her fate in the show because she has to live the rest of her life. With the fact that she killed her husband. Who was trying to sexually assault. Well, you know, I guess I guess in the show, in a way of you know, looking at it, that Louisa lived the rest of her life with the fact that she killed her husband. All 10 seconds? All 10 seconds of it. That's right. But <laughs> she wasn't abusive in the comics, though. Like, she... No. Honestly, no. I'm trying to... I mean, other than accidentally killing her husband, she was fine. Yeah, she was fine. She was completely she, fine. She, I think, has the worst fate of anyone in the comic... And she's an innocent bystander. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Ugh. I mean, she, I, I know she does end up killing George at the end, right? Right. Um, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she is as, I don't want to say she's as much a victim, but she's a victim of George's. God dang it. Abner. She's a victim of Abner as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. For his manipulation and lying yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just being a creepazoid. But Bruce. Yes. I love you. <laughs> I don't want to record this again. No, we're not doing it. If if anything happens to this, I'm sorry. We're just going on to the next episode. <laughs> the Lost Files. The Lost File. And we come we come back to it in, in three or four years when we've forgotten about it. And <laughs> Right. Right. Um, so I want to thank everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you stuck it out. Yeah. Once again, if you didn't, completely understand. Well, uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the n- next episode, we'll be covering season two, episode 10, the ventriloquist dummy from Tales from the Crypt, number 28. Oh, we're finally to a Tales from the Crypt story. Yes. And it's been all lust and jealousy and murder yeah. this whole season. We had, well, I'm sure there will be murder, I'm sure. You're but right. um, but at least we need we need more creepy. Yeah. I, we're going to get a break. That. We're going to get a break from the straight crime stories. Right. I need the creep factor yeah. to come back in. Yeah. So this is going to be this great. This one has Don Rickles. It does. Who is awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 This is this is the first. Like, I think the last two were meh. Yeah. This one's going to be dope. Okay. It's going to be great. I love okay. it. <laughs> uh, we have social media. We do. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Spooky Bruce. You can catch me on Twitter at Horror Ryan. Yeah, we also have an Instagram. We do. It's at Cryptkeepers Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter, yes. Mm-hmm. And we also have an uh, email address. It is. <laughs> you're giving me a look. I'm giving him a look because he always says the Gmail. The Gmail, and you just caught on like two or three episodes ago. <laughs> right. I want to go back to the old episodes, see how many times you say it. <laughs> um, it is Cryptkeepers Show at the Gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, if you can, if you like the show, share it with a friend and leave a rating and review on the podcast app of your choice. Once again, we want to thank you guys for listening and see you soon, kitties. <laughs>
Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh, Thanks, love Bruce, for face right now. Just taking it that extra mile. <laughs> crossing that line. If there's an Olympic sport for crossing lines, you'd place. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>